Hi, I'm Chris Marie. I'm so glad you're listening. In conflict, do you ever walk on eggshells, avoid sharing your honest opinion, or even hesitate to say no? Well, no more. Susan and I created a speak up kit just for you. It's an easy to use, proven step-by-step process to find your voice and reduce your stress. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P. Hi, I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we have Samantha Drum with us, who is a high conflict strategist and a personal injury attorney with years of experience managing high conflict people and situations, as well as coaching others to do the same. After facing several high conflict personalities at the start of her career, she realized a harsh truth. Law school did not prepare her for managing high conflict behavior or extreme personalities. Couldn't that be lawyers sometimes? I don't know. She decided to take the time to study high-conflict personalities, to learn effective tools and strategies that she could use when she found herself in high-conflict situations. She learned how high-conflict personalities work, the way they think, and what causes them to go off. We want to hear about that. (laughs) Then she learned to implement plans for managing the situation so she could minimize the damage they cause and maximize her control of the situation. Now she wants to empower other people with these same skills. Thank you, Samantha. We're so excited you're here. I am a little concerned, though, that I might be a high-conflict personality. So we'll see. (laughs) I don't know. People have told me sometimes. I'm intense. (laughs) You know, it's okay to be intense. There's a difference between being intense and always causing problems. So So what is, Samantha, what is a high-conflict personality? Yeah, a high-conflict personality is someone who engages in patterns of thinking and behavior that it's just always causing conflict. So basically, they're known for it. This is like almost their brand. Everyone knows them as that difficult person, the person who just doesn't get along with anyone, who's always causing chaos, who just gives everyone a pit in the bottom of their stomach. And yeah, a high-conflict person is someone who basically they just, they initiate conflict because they receive a psychological reward from it. And they are just, they just expect conflict in their life. Wow. So they receive a psychological award reward. Can you say more about that? Like go off in their brain or something? Yeah. So basically it's like a high. It's like they get like a, a hit from it. And so they like, it's an adrenaline rush. It's exciting for them. And they see it as, oh, this is a challenge. This is is exciting. I'm going to win. I'm going to dominate this situation. And they really enjoy being in control and taking over a situation. And they like the feeling, the sensation in their body of it. Wow. So tell us how you, in your work, are there certain types of people or give us a story about how you bumped into or continue to bump into high conflict personality? Yeah. So I think I started when I was in law school. I had two high conflict bosses, but I was in it. Well, I was in law school. So I just thought this is what attorneys are like. <laughs> so I just thought this was part of the program. This is what you, you know, this is my initiation until I had different bosses who were attorneys who were not like that. And I started noticing that they were high conflict in certain aspects, 
but they didn't always present the same way. Basically, they had different motivations. So a lot of people think of, if you said the term comic personality, immediately most people would think narcissist. Mm-hmm. But it's not true. Um, narcissists can be high conflict personalities, but there can also be other types of personalities that have different motivations. So maybe they're motivated by abandonment. Maybe they're worried that everyone's going to leave me. And so they like almost set up this self-fulfilling prophecy where they cause chaos in their life so that people do abandon them. And then they're like, see, I knew it. You can't trust anyone. And so I had a boss who was just like that. And then I had a boss who was more on the narcissistic spectrum. They caused chaos. They made me physically ill. And they made me just so stressed out, but they presented differently in their motivation. And so I remember while I was trying to learn about what am I up against, what is this thing that I'm dealing with, that was how I learned about the term high conflict personality. So is is it like a diagnosis? No. So it's a descriptive term. And I, yeah, the, the key distinction that I like to make with a diagnosis versus a descriptive term is what is the purpose of a diagnosis? The purpose of a diagnosis is a doctor makes a diagnosis so that they can come up with a treatment plan. They can actually set in. It kind of just helps you to be on notice that this is what I'm up against. This is the kind of person that I'm dealing with. And so because I know that I'm dealing with a high conflict personality, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to be more on guard with how I behave. And I'm going to be on my best behavior so that they're not coming up with ways to sabotage me or they're not going to look for ways to blame me or shame me or make me feel bad. So it's a helpful way of knowing this is how I need to protect myself because I know I'm dealing with this personality. Okay, so for our listeners out there, how would they know? Like, what are the telltale signs that they would be like, oh, this is a high conflict personality? Yes. So you can pretty much tell if you're dealing with, there's like kind of three defining characteristics. Someone who engages in distorted thinking. So they engage in a lot of all or nothing thinking. They engage in a lot of should type of thinking where like you should behave like this. They play the blame game a lot. They're all about shame. They're all about someone has to take the fall. Someone has to pay the price. This is all your fault. Another thing that they do is they have a lot of unmanaged emotions. And so when they're set off for whatever reason, something triggers them, their emotions go haywire and they allow those emotions to take over. And then those emotions naturally lead into the third characteristic, which is extreme behavior. So we have distorted thinking, we have the emotions, the crazy kind of unmanaged emotion, and then we have extreme behavior where like just 90% of the population would not do what they're doing and this person is doing it. And everyone else is like, what is going on? Because as you described the first two things, honestly, I find in the business world, those two things are not uncommon. Distorted Um, thinking. Distorted thinking always, never. And a lot of times people in the world of business leadership have been trained for that very piece. You don't show any vulnerability. If you are feeling any shame or question, defend yourself. And they often, they haven't been taught how, it's not in the business school, how to regulate or manage your emotions. So at least those two seem like kind of be even the third, because I've worked at companies when I was a consultant that there was extreme behavior and everybody like, okay, we know this VP, we can't do anything We've got to bow down to them because they're going to ream us out if we do something wrong. So part of why I'm bringing it up is because I imagine a lot of our listeners are people we've worked with in the business, see themselves in that and would not necessarily recognize themselves as high conflict. So now maybe the people working for them, but I don't know if that may not be, I don't know whether it's helpful. There's something in there about the motivation you talked about that I think must be critical to looking at it. What are you really 
trying to accomplish? And maybe that's something you could ask somebody in that scenario, like, what do you need here? Because this isn't working. <laughs> but so yeah, I, I would think so what you're saying, I think you're right. A lot of people, especially in management, I think they come with the perspective of I need to present a certain way. I need people to respect my authority. And, but they haven't been given those tools. They haven't been given a toolbox. They also haven't been given parameters. And a lot of people won't give them parameters because no one else really knows yes, <laughs> people. And so I think that with regard to those that type of management, a lot of them are probably regular people who just don't know what to do in the circumstance, in the situation. That's and hard. so they're just doing the best that they can with the tools that they haven't been given. <laughs> and then there are high conflict personalities where they're more like, basically, there's almost like a, a personality feature to them. Like it, it comes across in all aspects of their life. So it's not just limited to a role that they're playing. It's like everywhere in their life, they're causing some kind of chaos. And the chaos is usually because they feel some deep sense of humiliation some sense of shame. They have some kind of ego wound. And so with everyone that they're interacting with, like the person just says the wrong thing and they're just going to have a really bad reaction that's very extreme. And other people are going to be like, whoa. But I would say that in like management where people just don't really know what to do in the situation, they don't do that across the board. They're just like, I don't know what to do right now. But like in normal life, when I don't have all this pressure, where there's not so much on the line, I, I can behave myself and I know better. And I know the proper and appropriate response to the situation. So I think what you're delineating is uh, personality, like the wound that you said, versus somebody who's, oh my God, I just don't know what to do. And the pressure's so great. So I'm going to be blank or yell or yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So how, if I come across a high conflict personality, what are some kind of tips for how to deal with them? And I'd also, have you dealt with people that are, recognize their high conflict and want to change? Is That would be another from the inside out. But let's, we can start with the outside in. If we run across <laughs> it, somebody who is high conflict. Yeah, I would say that if you run across someone who is high conflict, I would be on your guard because what I would basically the way I would approach it is I am not going to give this person any kind of motivation to be mad at me for any reason. I am going to limit the things that I say to this person because I don't want them to have am ammunition to use against me in the future. And I'm just going to limit my time with this person. That way I don't have to come away constantly feeling stressed. So limiting your time, limiting what you say to them, and just being careful. And, and I don't mean like walking on eggshells, but just being aware of the way you're talking to them. Try not to be reactive with them. Try to just be cool, calm, and collected and not allow that yourself to come across as an easily phased person because they can see vulnerability and they like they know, oh, this is someone who can get riled up. This is someone who can get easily spooked by me. And I can use that later on when an opportunity arises. Wow, that sounds like a lot of, I think I grew up with an alcoholic. And so that's all the dysfunctional behavior that I did growing up that I am working not to do in my regular life to recover from that. But I hear it sounds like it's just like a powder keg when you're around this type of person that you really want to pull back. Yeah, you just want to limit the amount of vulnerability that you show them. 
And like with the two high conflict bosses that I had, now that I know what I know, I would have completely done my interviews differently. I wouldn't have said things. I wouldn't have agreed to the salary the same way. But they set up the whole, both of the interviews in such a way that I just felt very, like there was this power disparity. And I was just like, okay, I'll just do whatever you say because you're going to be my boss anyway. And so I showed a lot of vulnerability and a lot of fear. And they were like, you're going to be someone who's easy to control. And I was easy to control. And then when, when I finally started setting boundaries with them eventually later on, and I stopped being easy to control, then that's when I knew we need to split ways. <laughs> yeah. And you left those positions once you started to take back your power, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm wanting to put this in the frame of how we work with conflict, because we often are encouraging people to actually, even in extreme situations, be willing to be more vulnerable. Although we are also encouraging people, vulnerability doesn't always, isn't actually a weakness and sometimes can be the willingness to actually say, this isn't okay. What you're doing right now is not okay with me. It may be, this may work for you, but I'm not, I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to step back. Because it sounds like that would be another way to potentially but you're not making them wrong. You're just saying, look, uh, your behavior may work in this scenario, with, but it's not working for me. So I'm going to take a break. I would say that kind of vulnerability that leads into a boundary is very appropriate because you basically, you don't want to be giving into vulnerability that gives them ammunition against you. But everything you just said, how could they use that against you? Basically, you're you're setting up like, this is my wall. This is my way of protecting myself from you. So I think that vulnerability by saying, this is the truth about what I'm experiencing with you and I don't appreciate how it's going and I'm not gonna allow it to continue moving forward. That kind of vulnerability is great. You're telling that, you're putting them on notice. But vulnerability that would give them something to use against you later on. Oh, I know this about your family. I know this about you don't like this coworker. Just things that they're really good at helping you to feel safe with them in certain contexts. And so then you let on a little bit more than you should about private situations, and then they will bring them up later. So for example, with the women high conflict boss that I had, she she really used my motherhood, because I had a baby right when I started working for her. She used that as a vulnerability and a manipulation point to keep control over me. So she would say things like, I let you do this for your daughter. I let you leave early for your daughter. I'm so kind. I'm so generous. You would never find another boss like me. And it made me feel like I should be grateful for what I have. And I'm being selfish in not just going along with everything she says, because look at how much she's done for me. And eventually, when I did set boundaries with her, I just finally said, regardless of all the nice things you do for me, (laughs) that doesn't mean that your behavior towards me is acceptable in these other areas. And so, yes, I acknowledge the nice things that you've done. But I'm also not going to sit here and allow that to be an invitation for you to treat me poorly in these other areas. That sounds like a good, more boundary and kind of way for you to have found your path to come forward and say, I am grateful for this and not this. We often, (laughs) often with the, we talk in the idea of sometimes it's important to say, here's what I can agree with. And here's where I don't agree with you. And that could be, it sounds like another way, as long as you're, it sounds like the key is not to either give them ammunition or make them wrong. Because if you make them wrong and they're not actually in a place where they're going to be willing to even acknowledge that they could possibly be wrong, that's just going to create more of a fight and a defensiveness. 
Yeah. And so one of the tools that I provide on my my website, controlledconfrontation.com, is called an argument playbook. And in this argument playbook, I actually discuss where you're allowed to empathize with a high conflict personality and you're allowed to agree when possible to get to some kind of common ground. And those things are really helpful in diffusing the argument and actually getting to a solution. Because again, high conflict people, they're usually motivated by winning, not by solving a problem that you guys can agree exists. And yes, I think that definitely being allowing yourself to find common ground with them doesn't mean that you're conceding or you're giving into them or you're handing them your power, but it's just saying we reasonable minds can agree on this. Like, I agree with you. And then you can move forward with that. And usually that kind of takes away a lot of the tension that it had built up to that point because they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I can agree to that too. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it's been process and tell me where I'm wrong, Samantha, but you growing into your own power in dealing with these bumping into them, because that's really, I think that's a great life skill to be able to, like Susan was saying, boundary, I'm okay with this, I'm not okay Mm -hmm. with that. And we tend not to, if we're a people pleaser or an accommodator, that's, oh, that's a real scary ground. So to reclaim that which is what I've had to do in recovering from my background is where do I exist and you're bumping into me and I'm not okay with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of my, the biggest things that helped me transform my mindset about my approach to high conflict personalities was finding out that I was allowed to be disagreeable. And there's a big difference between disagreeing with someone and being selfish, being inconsiderate, being uncaring, those things are not the same as being disagreeable. And I had always grown up with this idea as a natural people pleaser of, I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. I don't want to put someone in a position where they feel bad. Basically, I would just take on the burden of all the uncomfortable feelings for other people. And it wasn't good for my health. And so eventually I learned about the term disagreeable. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I can do that. And that's not me being selfish and that's not me being a horrible thing. It's just me saying, I'm allowed to say no and I'm allowed to hold that no. And that's not a bad thing. And it's actually a really good thing in terms of my long-term success because people know where my, my yes ends and they also know, okay, this is the boundary. So we can work around in these areas that she's okay with and not cross the no area. And so being disagreeable was a huge way for me to learn, okay, when dealing with high conflict personalities, they're going to call me names or they're going to make me feel manipulated or they're going to give me all of these reasons why my no is not appropriate in the situation. But I just need to say it really is okay. And I'm not going to give in right now just because you don't like it. Yeah. We always say no is a complete sentence. (laughs) And when we, I think what happens so often is people either need to force it or explain it. Neither really is helpful sometimes in a situation where it's just, no, this is me saying no. Not, so that that sounds like a kind of very similar to the work you've done trying to get yeah. back from your own people pleasing to more, yeah. I, I exist and I matter and here's where I am in the world. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of, especially women, although I see there's high conflict people that are women, but a lot of women are people pleasers in that sense. And it just is, I guess there's really, you haven't gone to the other side of how to help somebody who's a high conflict person. Is that true? Or tell me where I'm wrong. So I, that hasn't been my area of focus with what I do through my work, because quite frankly, 
usually people who are high conflict personality, usually, usually there's some kind of underlying mental disorder. So there could be a personality disorder. There could be some kind of like oppositional defiance disorder, something else underlying that I just don't have the qualifications to help. And so I don't focus on helping them specifically. But what I do is I help people to learn how to set up the proper strategy in their life so that they can continue to live or work with high conflict personalities and things don't need to fall apart. They don't have to completely go no contact. And sometimes no contact just isn't realistic for their living situation. And so that's my focus is just saying, okay, if I am not able to distance myself enough from this person in my life, what are the ways that I can minimize the impact that they're having on my life? And it's really funny too, because like in my experience with the high conflict personalities that I've had in my life, when I started taking myself seriously and when I started doing what I needed to do to protect myself, their behavior did start to change. Like it hasn't made complete and total changes. Like with other people, they still, they still behave badly, but they like, it's they got the message. They were like, okay, I am, I'm going to leave her alone. I'm like, I, I know that there's too much inertia with her to get what I want. And so it's not worth putting in the energy. And so it has actually really helped me so that, yeah. So basically it inadvertently changed their behavior, but I like, that's not what I set out to do. No. Yeah. And it, I, it actually sounds earlier when you were talking, I think sometimes it can, a person, a lot of times people I've worked with in, in different ways in relationships or whatever else, when they actually realize this isn't about these problem people, if I change myself, I will actually be able to change the circumstances I'm in and respond differently to a situation. And that to me, when you when you were describing it just now, sounds like you're actually unhooking yourself from high conflict personalities and just coming back to, okay, this is about me because that type of personality is me and I don't want to keep being controlled by that personality. So right. I'm going to come back and take care of this, me. Right. So but then if I am in relationship with them, and carry on, it's, I'm not, it's not about that. I don't have to change them because I know where I'm anchored in over here. And I think that's, that's huge. Yeah, it is. You know, it's <laughs> like, all about what you can control because if you can't control anyone, you, you really can't. My goodness, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And I have my might. There's no controlling them. <laughs> and the three-year-old is very high complex. Each <laughs> brain there where developmentally they're supposed to be high complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like they are, yeah, they are prime examples of high complex personalities. But what I have done is I have learned to, I have learned to change my automatic reaction into responses. I've taught them skills that I had to learn myself on how to regulate my body so that when the three-year-old goes into a fit, I could be like, okay, let's take a breath. And we hold hands and we take a breath together and we start regulating our nervous system together. But like I, what I, the way that it became successful and the way that things have been successful with me dealing with high common personalities is this is, this is my sphere of control. I can control myself. I can control my automatic reactions and turn them into responses. And I can control what I say or what I choose not to say. But I don't like the idea of trying to control a high conflict personality and make them bend to my will. Because it's like, then I've become the high conflict person. Then I've become the thing that I despise. And so, yeah, so it's just a matter of I'm going to act appropriately. I'm going to set a really good example. And maybe they'll learn from that example. And even if they don't, at least I know I didn't violate my values in the process. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Your side of the street. That's great. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what are some free resources that our listeners might be interested, they're interested they can use? Yeah. So I have on my website, controlledconfrontation.com. If you do controlledconfrontation.com slash resources, I have three free resources that I made. So I mentioned one earlier, the argument playbook. And basically it teaches you five skills that help you to navigate a conversation without escalating. So basically the goal is de-escalation and preserving your values and preserving the relationship. And then I have another one called, is it high conflict? Because a lot of people are like, oh, this term high conflict, what is that? Sounds interesting. Are they just a narcissist? Are they this? They want to know. And so I said, I made a quiz that will help you walk through about 10 questions and help you determine, are you likely dealing with a high conflict personality or are you not? And then the last one is, okay, I know I'm dealing with a high conflict personality. I am in like the deep of it with this person. I am in the middle of a smear campaign. I did something that made them really upset. And now they're telling everyone and they're saying lies about me. And so the smear campaign survival guide is something that I made to help you to keep control of yourself and basically not try to go and convince people that you're not the crazy person that they say you are. You just need to show them that you're not the crazy person that they say you are. And so those are the skills um, that I teach in that survival guide of just like, how do I keep my cool? And then how do I move forward in dignity for myself and not give them power to prove to other people that their view of me is correct? That is great. I think those are really good practical tools that people can use. And you've told people where to find you. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap for today? Yeah, I I think the last thing that I would just like to say is that I love the name of your podcast, The Beauty of Conflict, but there are times where conflict, it just isn't beautiful. And (laughs) so, but that doesn't mean that you can't take a horrible situation and make it work for you. And so the skill that I teach through controlled confrontation, and I also have a course called The High Conflict Cure, it's about taking a bad situation and turning it into something that you can live with so that even when it's not beautiful, even when the feelings are horrible and overwhelming and things just feel like, how am I going to make it out of this? You have skills to make it through each moment. And you know that this is this is not going to last forever. This conflict, like nothing can really truly last forever. So if I learn these skills, if I learn these strategies and these mindset shifts, then I can take control of the situation and eventually get back to a place of beauty. Yeah. And we agree. Conflict is, is not fun. We, we didn't call it joy or <laughs> as though that depth, which sometimes mm-hmm. is raw and messy and uncomfortable. But I think your book sounds like it's helping someone making sure they cultivate the beauty of it and not get stuck in the pain of it and the, and where they're mired in versus, because we all have some compost in our lives, which <laughs> thank you so much, Samantha. Yes. We've enjoyed their chat. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. If you want to take some of what you've learned on today's episode to the next level, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. Go to www.thriveinc.com forward slash team kit to learn more. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T.